Welcome to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. Hey, everybody. How are you? Come on in. Take a seat. Let's get into it. On today's episode, we're going to go into the world of directing commercials. Uh, It's been a little while since I've had a commercial director on the show, and I know many of you listeners, you boys and girls and in-betweens out there, you all are asking the same question when it comes to filmmaking. How do I make money? How do I get jobs as a commercial director? Um, Is that the way to make feature films? Is that the way to practice my skills and my talents? Well, we're going to get into it on today's show. Um, Before I do, I just want to like reach out through the headphones and say thank you to everybody who has been following me on Instagram, for everybody that contributed to the recent contest. Big congratulations to our recent contest winners, the folks that won the director's tracksuits from G-Style USA. Um, Very successful campaign that we did with them. Very successful contest. So happy to be able to give back to you guys. I love, I love the fact that we're all in this together and we all love to communicate. Uh, Let me just be transparent with you guys. The podcast has been going great. I've now got to a point, you've heard me reading sponsors on the show. The show is taking care of itself, which is nice. Financially, it's fantastic. Big shout out to all the sponsors that continue to support the show and make it what it is. I have been able to do more podcasts than ever this week. Good Lord. Let me take a look at my schedule this week. It's ridiculous. Recording a podcast today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, next week, Monday, Tuesday. I have two podcasts on Tuesday. It's insane. So I am basically doing this show pretty much full time. And then I'm also prepping for my movie at the same time, which I have been so deep and nerdy into storyboards right now. I am loving it. I don't want to talk too much about it because we get into storyboarding later in this episode. So big shout out to everybody who's been following me on Instagram, giving ideas, giving support. I just booked uh, a guest that hopefully will start uh, I think we'll record them in mid-January with a release in February. And I don't want to talk about who it is yet, um, but it was a suggestion from one of our fans. And uh, I didn't even think about it, and I'm fucking happy I did. So if you guys have ideas for guests on the show, people that you want to hear me uh, yell and scream with, then send me those suggestions on Instagram. So let's talk about what we're getting into today. Uh, Corden Wagner is on the show today. He is a commercial director. He's directed for clients such as uh, Samsung, Cotton, Virgin Galactic. We're finally there, right? Like the Virgin, like going into outer space. Uh, He does gorgeous, gorgeous commercials. uh, Really well done, really well thought out ads. And one of the things that he does uh, really well. If you head on over to his website, that's C-O-R-Y-D-O-N-W-A-G-N-E-R.com. That's CordonWagner.com. I will put the link below in the description of the episode. Head on over there right now so you can see what's up. And uh, let's see, look at his commercial reels. 
his Virgin Galactic spot is beautiful. It's something that you would see coming out of like Scott Free, for Christ's sakes. And what I love that he does on his website is he posts not just behind the scenes stuff, but he digs deep into the process that it took to make these ads. So he puts up storyboards, he puts up descriptions, he talks about uh, how they built their sets. We get a bit into that into this episode, so I won't go too deep now. Um, but uh, I love it. It's a great way to see um, the process that it takes for him to make these ads. And it's obvious that this guy is in love with the ability to direct. Um, so, of course, he's a great guest for the show. Of course, you guys can enjoy this episode. And what are we going to talk about? Everything from what it's like to be a commercial director, what it's like to cast commercials, what, as a director, what we're looking for from actors when we're casting commercials. I know there's a lot of actors that went, oh, this isn't just a technical episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking about everybody here. All right, I'm doing my job. I got a bunch of fucking hats on. You know, when you hear me talking, I'm thinking about where we're going to go, how the conversation's going to happen. I'm with you. I'm there. I'm doing it terribly with my vocabulary, but we're there. We have a guest appearance by the landscaper today. It's really great. I can't wait for you guys to get into this episode. And why delay it, right? Let's just get right into it, shall we? So grab those noise-canceling headphones, even though you already have them on. Turn them up. Maybe you're in the car and my sweet bassy voice is, is rattling the hinges of your trunk right now. <laughs> Jesus, I've been doing this too much. Grab those noise-canceling headphones, sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love of the Process. Gordy, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Great, great. Good to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm, uh, it is uh, it is a cold, <laughs> cold day in New York. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm a bit jealous that you're in LA right now. Our, so. Look, I, uh, yeah. I'm from Boston, so I moved oh. out here to Los Angeles a few years ago, and I hated it when people said this from LA. <laughs> But it's also cold here in Los Angeles. It's like oh, it's like fifty eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so no, it does it does get cold every now and then. Yeah, I mean all of the so local purse dogs are just dying from exposure. It's getting really terrible out here. <laughs> you get more sweater vests for those dogs. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. Well, I'm pumped to have you on the show. I. You know, to be completely transparent, I, I didn't know about you or your work, and, and so I did a bit of a deep dive last week, and you've got some really beautiful, oh, very beautiful commercial work. Oh, thank you, man. You know, I appreciate it. I mean, um, thank you for having me on. I mean, when uh, when when I got the invite, I was I was a bit like, really? Now? 
<laughs> you want to give me a couple years? Of <laughs> that will do it. But I'm, um, but I'm down. Well, um, dude, come on. I mean, you've been working hard. Um, I could tell by going through your website and I, you know, it, let me just say this. I really appreciate and I love the fact that you post like all the behind the scenes stuff and you really sort of break down the process, whether it's with storyboards or, uh, you know, just descriptions of how you had to deal with stuff. Um, so I, it's a really great resource for a lot of younger filmmakers and uh, myself also having directed commercials for years, I know what a fucking crazy business that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to getting your take on it and diving in deep because I, I think the listeners yeah. are probably tuning in going, how do I get fucking work? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm tooling, uh, tuning in and uh, uh, asking how do we get some work? <laughs> yeah. we, we all are. We all are, are, yeah. No matter what, what level you're at, it's it's funny because it's all relative, right? You know, it's like, you know, I look back a couple of years and I'm like, oh my God, I would have killed to be right here. And I know that I'm going to look back, <laughs> you know, again. Uh, you know, so it's, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, when you talk about uh, the site and everything like that, it's, it is kind of fun to post up the behind the scenes. And, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of reps and a lot of producers have always been like, you know, less is more, keep it simple, keep it simple. But like, I think when you're sending out custom reels and you've got, you know, you've got a producer who's sending things out. Yeah. Uh, that's the brevity. Right. And then it's kind of nice to have this like coffee table book of a website where you can, I don't know, it, it fits the niche for the non-agency folk, maybe who you might form a partnership with a client or something like that. They just want to kind of get a deep dive and, or, or you might just send them a little case study say, Hey, you know, we just did this year and you know, it might work for your next project. It's, it is kind of fun to, you know, show the, the behind the scenes, nothing else. It makes me makes me happy <laughs> throw some stuff up there so. well well dude and you've done a lot of very niche sort of uh filming techniques like you've done a lot of underwater photography it's mm -hmm. it looks like and then you also did the weightlessness stuff um yeah. for the uh, virgin Galant galactic stuff um yeah. so yeah it makes sense and, and i agree with you i've always been that way too it, because selfishly and i say this as i get older uh, it's more about the experience for me than it is anything else these days. And so yeah. I, yeah. I, I like celebrating the experience. I like showcasing the folks that I got to hang out with. I like to, mm -hmm. you know, because one of the benefits, there's so many, there's so many hard trials that we go through just to get a fucking job. And yeah. one of the benefits, if you can decide whether you agree or disagree with this, but in my opinion, one of the benefits is actually getting there and actually being able to look around and go, this is really fucking cool. Like what we're doing today for the next week or what we're doing for the next couple of weeks is fucking cool. So let's just take a minute and look around and appreciate this before we go back <laughs> yeah. into the unemployment totally Before line. we go back to fighting for jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so true. I mean, like it is, it is mesmerizing what we do sometimes. It is so much fun and every job, you know, even if it's the simplest job in the world. Yeah. I mean, when you come back with the stories, I mean, people are just like, I'm sorry, what, what did you do today? <laughs> you were on top of a mountain, you, were, you know, like you were with 20 clowns, a mountain and, uh, yeah. and, a, and a live bear on set. I mean, it, it is cool. And to be able to hang, I, I don't know of another industry where you can come in contact with such varied 
amounts of people from just distant pat, you know, like various different like personality types, all walks of life. I mean, there's very few uh, professions where you can have that experience and then travel and go places and connect with people. It just, it is an amazing business that we're in and, you know, showcasing, you know, the behind the scenes and what went into putting that all together. It, it it's kind of fun. I mean, you kind of need to do it every now and then. We don't get credit lists, you know, at the end of a, a commercial. Yeah, you, you think, let's do that. This is the closest thing you can you can get to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I when when the reps are doing the uh, the due diligence of sending out those you know brief, tight little custom reels that <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. hopefully get us into a short list. Um, you know, it's it's kind of nice to have you know something a little bit different. To, you know, share it with people. But, yeah. 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 Well, let me ask in the beginning, like what, uh, why commercials? How'd you get into commercials? Just like any filmmaker, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to direct, I wanted to, to direct features or TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that commercials was the most viable path. And then I fell in love with the process. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. Nice, nice, nice <laughs> plug. <laughs> I did not mean for that. <laughs> um, no, but but you know, there's something about commercials where, yes, you are serving a client, an agency. You are, uh, you know, beholden to the creative team, but you do get a degree of control, especially the farther along you go in your career. Mm-hmm. You really, you really do get some degree of control, and they they do allow you to experiment, and explore, and you can find a, a niche that works and, you know, maybe you take that into feature filmmaking, I, you know, and, you know, deep into uh, your Vimeo. And <laughs> obviously there's a, you know, there's a connection between your uh, commercial work and your uh, narrative film work. And yeah. Obviously. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the place that you get to experiment with what makes you different as a filmmaker and artist. And, you know, like if I imagine you just try to dive right into uh, feature films, you don't get a chance to really figure out who you are, but with commercials, it's so fast and it's so rapid fire. It's almost like you're doing mini, like a bunch of mini films. Yeah. So you get a really great opportunity there to figure out what kind of an artist you are. That's, you know, what resonates for you. That's a good point. It really is a good point. I mean, between commercials and music videos, that's kind of where I got to play. I, yeah. The problem with film is that film takes fucking forever to do. Like it It's like years yeah. and years and Just write years. a script. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, dude, and, just, and getting yeah. to the point where you have a script and you have everything in play, and then it's yeah. still like five years of fucking development hell. So like um, you forget. There are moments mm-hmm. where I have – like I'll go in between jobs or I'm not working doing a commercial doing stuff. And I'm like, do I still know how to fucking direct? Do I still know how to do this shit? Um, I do the same thing. I get on, especially with COVID, you know, I got on, I had about, (laughs) like, I don't know how many months. I think it was like six months between a job and one was a remote. So, you know, that didn't count. I get on set. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what? do I remember the positions? Like, <laughs> who am I? <laughs> but it is kind of like riding a bike, you know, but the yeah. more chances you get to take a swing creatively, the yeah. more you get to stretch yourself. It's a muscle. And, uh, you know, to see what worked, what didn't work, just to, just to get on set, hear your own voice, see how your ideas uh, survive, you know, the, the onslaught of production. <laughs> 
How did you how did you get started? Were you doing spec ads and stuff and then tr- were on the hunt for yeah. representation? Is that how you got in? Yeah, 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 in in a way. So I I just a a, a brief context before I really got into uh, directing commercials. I kind of fell into uh, running a production company. I think like, as we all do, we're, you know, yeah. we're doing like corporate videos, yep. weddings, you know, you're shooting anything you can get your hands on and you're editing anything you can. Uh, I was a shooter editor, you know, I had a bank account. Um, next thing you know, I've got more and more clients. Um, just as a funny aside, I started working with a bunch of like improv comedy actors in New York Mm-hmm. And they they wanted a crash pad, like an office to hang out in between, you know, their auditions. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, you should go, you should go in on this with us. I'm like, I'm like just out of college. I'm like, no, no, that that sounds horrible. <laughs> I could barely make rent. <laughs> you want me to get an office too? What are you nuts? And these guys are, you know, they're in their forties, they're fifties, they're established actors. Yeah, and they're they're you know. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing voiceover work, they're doing commercial work. So they they kept pushing me, kept pushing me. I was like, all right, let's do it. Get in, and then like they scatter. And I'm like, oh my god, I got to make rent not only on my my apartment, but uh, so you know, I had just you know, we had a, a few people, filmmakers, uh, you know, just trying to pay the pay the office rent, and then next thing you know, it starts working. Yep. And then next thing you know, oh my God, I got employees. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was not planned. It was organic, probably the way it should have been. Um, but it just, it grew and grew and grew. We, uh, we did a lot of corporate video. We started doing some commercials and then, but I, I had a point where, you know, the decision was either I run a production company and I, I find other directors to put on a roster and I run that mm-hmm. or, let's you know, why not just go and do the thing I want to do, which is stay freelance and, you know, <laughs> cut the, cut the cord with all the hassle of running a production company. And I think that was the better move. It's just, you know, there's so much involved with running a production company. Dude, aim I'm right there with you, man. And it's funny. Cause I went through the same, same kind of scenario where, yeah, you know, yeah. like I kind of got into a production company, I had a business partner and then, we were forced to kind of do it because we were doing a lot of work and we had to have the accounts. And then the next thing you know, we have a fucking office and it's the same kind of thing where you're like, I don't think I can afford all these. And somehow you're figuring out (laughs) how to afford all those. And then you've got people working with you and depending on you. And then the next thing you know, like fucking seven years go by and you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) Am I I running a a company? And you're just, you're like, I didn't want to know about like, <laughs> like tax law and things. Like, what the what the hell is going on here? I, yeah, yeah, no, and it's but, you know the, the thing that I that I that I was kind of it was kind of grating on me at that time was that you know you're a production owner and a business owner, a production company owner and a business owner, and you're making decisions sometimes that might not be in the best interests of the the director version of yourself. Yeah. You know, like, so, and you know, the subtle things, little subtle things here and there. So I, you know, once I started to kind of see that chipping away at the decision-making process, I was like, you know, I, I've got to get out and do my thing. The company went off and, you know, continued to have a good uh, thriving, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, a couple years and, uh, you know, it did really well, but you know, it, it was good to cut the cord. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's actually an interesting lesson for a lot of, uh, younger filmmakers that are listening to this. Mm-hmm. What would you end up having to do? At least I did. It sounded like you were in the same boat where you had to do it. You had to get into that position mm-hmm. where you were running it because when you're yeah. younger, it's so hard to get like a larger production company to rep you it or is. go through that process. It's impossible. Yeah. yeah. And especially now, uh, like I do feel that I cut the cord at the right time. I, I went and did a couple specs and there was, I mean, it wasn't like a complete, you know, <laughs> night and day uh, severing there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was like a good couple years where I was sort of one foot in my old production company, one foot out working with other production companies. But like, I, it was it was the right time to do that. But now, from what I hear with a lot of younger directors, I, man, it's tough getting signed. You know, that's difficult. And then once you're signed, right, that's no guarantee. Right, I mean, man, that is. You know, I I can't imagine trying to do what I did. And this was only like six years ago. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> this is not that long ago. Um, yeah. But a lot of guys, you know, it's it's a challenging thing. They they do get signed, but then they're sitting on the roster and there's not there's there's barely any boards going to them. So yeah, it's a tough thing. And then you have to be. I mean, I've done a whole episode on on uh, on what it's like from the from the agency side, but it it's it's a fascinating yeah. world. Um, that ultimately really sort of ran me through the mud, and I was like, I don't know if I want to fucking do commercials anymore, but. It was a, a a fascinating game of how rosters work, how, you know, just because you get quote unquote soft signed or put on a roster, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get that kind of work. And at, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. even in the feature world and with agents all the way around, it's all about the work that you're producing. It's all about the energy that you're bringing to your work, whether it's creating spec spots or shooting new things or like making sure that your internet presence is fucking huge. There are all these different elements other than the fact that you know how to direct something. (laughs) Yeah, I know you you have to be a social media expert. You've got to be, uh, you know, out engaging face to face, which is, you know, so important. You have so many different things. You can't just be, uh, a director and just go on shoots and direct. And then also, as I oftentimes say, you've got to be a full-time treatment writer slash designer. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, my job, I, I should say, is a, a, a treatment writer first <laughs> and director second. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an arms race into itself. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You got to be, it, it, it is tricky, but you know, it just makes getting on set so much sweeter. Yeah, and it just makes being with the people you want to be with, your crew people, your your team. It just makes it feel so much, uh, so much more of a reward at the end of the day. So, well, what do you think got you the attention? Like, who are you you're signed with like two different folks yeah. right now, right? Or is it one company? Well, so it's it's really it's one company, Attaboy Studios in the United States. I work with a great company up in Boston. Um, national and framed they they focus just on northeast and very specific to corporate but uh, yeah i know them. studios yep. is my my home for the united states and then i'm with uh, two of us in london for worldwide and you know it's uh it, you know i i 
it's been tough on the international market, obviously with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, uh, I'm not even going to go into that because we've all heard enough about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, right now until things get a little bit, you know, better, a little bit looser, the United States is, is certainly the focus, you know, for, you know, as things are opening up. But um, I think what got me to your question, what, what, what opened the door was a spot that I did called Capture the Wind, which was a spec spot. Uh, that I went out basically, you know, I just had this idea of uh, a little girl building a a boat out of a, uh, mm-hmm. a broken canoe and uh, putting some wheels on it and sailing it through a field of wheat. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that that was a very poetic uh, visual metaphor for wind energy and you know the coming future. And um, so that opened the door, got you know, got me into a couple showcases. I had enough of a reel to just kind of you know, win a few boards and a few jobs. And then I started doing a good amount of work over in India for Samsung and uh, Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, you know, that just, that taught me what it's like to be on a much bigger set, you know, much bigger production, bigger stakes. Uh, it also you yeah. know, taught me how to work with multiple different uh, stakeholders from various different countries and cultures and it was amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah, that must have been certain. amazing. Like shooting in a different country must have been fascinating for for commercial. Oh my work. god, it's just so much fun. I mean, you know, it, what one guy said to me though, it's so funny because he said, you know, different continent, same shit. <laughs> and it's so true. Um, you know, there's that joke about like when you're shooting on the street, um, you know, and some passerby comes by and. You, they ask, what are you shooting? You just say, eh, mayonnaise spot. Yep. <laughs> they, have the mayonnaise. Same, they have the same version of that joke in India. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember what, what the product is, but it, but you know, it's just, it, it truly is the same thing. You, you, you have the same friends, but just in a different country and culture. But the thing that unifies us all is production. Huh? Huh? So that's funny. Yeah. I forgot about the mayonnaise spot. It's been a while since we had to pull that out. Yeah, it's been a while since we pulled that one out. I know. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, man, because you where you you've shot all over the place. You've done stuff in India. Where else have yeah. you shot? Uh, India, South Africa, Spain, wow. um, up in Canada, uh, all over the United States. I'll, I'll tell you that one of the toughest places to shoot uh, was Montana. I mean, we were <laughs> we were right right on the Canadian border, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. Um, so it was kind of tough to bring in crew and and uh, and equipment, but um, yeah, the, the getting out into the world and working with different people and working outside the country is just, I think it's one of the best things you can do as an artist because it just it pushes you to think differently. Yeah, you're you're forced to think about a different audience, different sensibilities, and it just it challenges you to uh, you know to think about that audience, try to accomplish the same thing tonally, mm-hmm. but in a different with a couple of different uh techniques and so working for the indian audience was was just amazing it taught me a lot and uh you know and then also having to direct when most of the crew most of the people on set they don't speak english and you need to be very conscious of that yeah um you know it, it really makes you appreciate making storyboards and 
putting together mood board for people so that you can communicate visually over, you know, verbally. Which is so, actually cool. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. I mean, I obviously I did a movie in a different language that I'd never spoken before. And it, yeah, was that 12 kilometers? Yeah. And uh, yeah. the the fascinating part about that was that it went so visual. For me, it was almost like yeah, doing a silent yeah. film where you're just like, okay, this is a visual oriented thing. And I, very similarly, storyboards were huge. And then I would have storyboards on set all over the place just so that everybody knew what the fuck was going sure. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how much do you, and, and that's a, that's always a question for me. How much, like, so you storyboard, mm-hmm. how much do you rely upon that or use that? Or does it change by the job for you? Like what's, uh, how does it, where, where does that show up in your utility belt? Uh, it depends on the gigs. So like, if it's yeah. like a smaller gig that I know, it depends on the vibe of it. Like if it's uh sure. There have yeah. been certain commercials, like for years I did stuff for Bose, and Bose sort of had this, yeah. uh, I, I want to say like more airy, relaxed, like you you kind of know what the lifestyle. tone is, lifestyle. Yeah. So as soon as you're in that lifestyle mode, you're just like, all right, I'll do like a keyframe or two mm-hmm. to sort of set the lighting and the tone, and then we'll just fucking play in lifestyle. And um, I like lifestyle. It's just you hit a point where you go, okay, how many times do I got to follow someone down a hallway? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. How many times do right. I got to do that? Right. Um, off the curtains and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah 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 wind blowing through the hair as they hold their yeah. hand out the fucking right. window you know like all those right. tropes um right i get into boards when it's more specific especially when it comes to lighting stuff and when i get mm-hmm. really nerdy about lighting then uh and obviously with features and like with stuff that i know that if i don't board it out i'm gonna lose time like if, sure. if I'm yes. on set and I'm yeah. like, fuck, like what, what, why did we lose three or four shots? Uh, I should have just boarded these out. That would probably save me 40 minutes. If yeah, I had it done saves that. time, saves, yeah. saves the questions and people just know yeah. exactly what you're driving at. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you feel the same way? Like you, how are you? I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like, a, uh, I always say it's like, you know, you want to get people confidently on the same page Yeah, and so that they can make strong decisions in the right direction. But it's, but it's a double-edged sword. You gotta be too, you, you, you gotta be careful not to create a prescription of exactly what you want to see in the edit, you know, you can go too far with yeah. it sometimes. I, I, I'm, I think I'm similar to you. It's like, you want to, you want to figure out what that defining sequence or maybe shot is for the spot. Yeah. Um, take care of the technical stuff too, you know, especially if it's VFX driven uh, stuff, you, you kind of have to board it out um, to some extent. Sure. And then you, you got to know that there's blocks of, uh, uh, you know, of action that might just be best, thought of in the moment or maybe you storyboard, but you know, you're going to chuck it, yep. you know? Yep. Um, and, yeah. and then, you know, people, I think, I think one of the big factors in moving quickly to get to the right, the good stuff, the visual good stuff is to just give people the sense of confidence that there's a strong plan and you're moving in that direction. And, yeah. um, you can change that plan on set. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you could probably change it a lot easier. Uh, when when people know that there is something you know at play there yeah my my Um, my big thing that i say to every crew is it's like the boards are here there's a plan here just mm -hmm. in case we show up hungover and you guys just follow the fucking plan (laughs) it's that that. yeah right in case in case case, yeah you guys can continue on (laughs) yeah you guys just roll with those but in in the interim i think the move is really to 
like you said, like you you board out s- sequences, but you understand that everything's going to be flexible. You understand that when you start to work with actors or you're working mm-hmm. with the creatives, or even if you're just dealing with the fucking location and you're just like, yeah. Ugh, okay, right. like these boards don't really work for the space. Let me just take three seconds here and go, okay, coverage would be here, 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 here. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Um, totally, totally. Yeah. I, I do find boards, I, I love the process of storyboarding as much as I know that you're going to probably only use like 30% of it. I love the process because for some reason it, it just sparks so many different ideas. Yes. You know, like it makes, like, I, I love camera movement. So I like, I like trying to create a choreography to the talent and the camera. And I like, I like starting with, okay, well, what's the blocking? What do I want to see mm-hmm. the actors do? How do they, how should they be moving in relation to each other or the space? And then that motivates that camera and, you know, moving the camera from maybe one perspective to a, you know, another perspective, character perspective. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It just, it, it kind of tickles me that that's the, that's what I love about filmmaking. So when you get into storyboarding, you can really truly see it. And then you can just start to be like, Oh my God, you know, the first idea sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Let me come up with something else. And it just, it, it kind of like creates this like iterative process so that you can see it. Then you take another experiment and you see it again. So I love working with storyboard artists. Um, and it's also kind of interesting sometimes to see, when you try to explain something to a storyboard artist and you try yourself to kind of do some chicken scratches or just some overheads, mm-hmm. what they come back with, sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. All right, I'm going to use just this little piece right here. Yeah. That will make it better. But you've made me think about this in a completely different way. And it's almost like you're working with uh, a DP before you get to the set. Yep. And you know, then once you get onto the tech scout, it's like you're picking camera positions with like this informed position where you've already nixed a couple of different things you know is not going to work. And you're, you come in with this, this, you know, tighter vision for what you want out of it. Cause in a commercial, you only get like one major moment that it becomes, that it's met, uh, that it, that people remember it for, yeah. you know, it's just, it comes down to one thing really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're essentially playing it with like one set piece, and and in that yeah. set piece, there's this thing. Yeah. Now it's 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 fascinating to me. Like I I started storyboarding myself years ago um, because a I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was a kid, and I failed at that. Oh, awesome! <laughs> but then you know, <laughs> but b um, it, and when I started doing my boards, they were just real basic, really simple boards. Yeah. Uh, and they've become a little bit more complicated these days just because I have the time to do so. But it's the same thing for me where it's a rehearsal. So I can actually sit there mm-hmm. and go like, it makes me think about it. I go, oh, how, how's this shit going to be blocked and how's this going to work? And I've now got a system down that is so fast for boards where I'll actually trace elements and bring elements into Photoshop and I'm using my uh, my Wacom, but you can use a fucking uh, mm-hmm. iPad for this shit. Um, and yeah. I, I just yeah. got like these super awesome action figures that are drawing action figures that are fucking oh. really great. All of their appendages, you can move them, you can pose them in they any move. different position. Uh huh. Realistic positions. And so what I'll do is I'll take my my toys. Essentially, uh-huh. I'll I'll block out a scene. I'll shoot that scene with my iPhone. I'll take photos of that oh, scene. Shit, that's awesome. Find the angles. <laughs> And then I just import those images into Photoshop and I trace those images for the body position. So then I'm not worried about perspective 
or how you know mm-hmm. how the bodies are supposed to look. And so multiple times, I, I might even light the figures too because of the reflection and everything. So I'm actually running through blocking and camera rehearsals before I even get to fucking sketching it. And then when I start to sketch it, it's like, okay, what does the outfit look like? You know, is there a right. beard on this person? What does the hair look like? Is she, is she wearing a hood? And then, right. and then you start awesome. to get, yeah, dude. And then you start to get into, uh, for me, it, it's all about visual language. Like filmmaking yeah. is visual language to me. Like every time you move a fucking camera, there's 200 years of fucking rules behind why that lens was chosen. There's, <laughs> there's this right. subconscious right. audience reaction to all those different things. And so everything means something. So boarding allows me to get incredibly fucking nerdy before I get on set. Yeah. I got a producer breathing down my neck and I've got everybody else. Right, up my right. Ass. Dude, that is awesome. I mean, I, I kind of want to like, I would love to see it behind the scenes of that. Yeah. I mean, that is so cool. I mean, <laughs> in a fun way, I mean, it, I, I feel like in, in so many different ways, like we're, we're just channeling our, our inner, inner children you know playing with things and you're truly you're truly doing that you've got action figures and you're using that to create storyboard that is so awesome well dude that is so smart too also like i mean because then you can actually get your hands on something yep and actually move objects around which is i mean cinema is a it's a spatial medium and you know we we interpret a lot of that emotion based upon the uh, the blocking and the composition and the space you're talking about 200 years of of just uh you know rules that have been built up from theater all the way through uh you know mm-hmm. early early experimentations in film and it just you know audiences have you know spent a, you know their lives in this stuff i mean that's awesome that yeah. you you make it tactile and that's a really smart thing. I'm going to see if I can <laughs> try some of that. <laughs> I'll have to. Just a technical question. Do you shoot it on like just all white or green or like it, just No, a, no, it just depends. You're just tracing. You're just tracing it. Yeah, it's, man. Like I I did ah, a smart. I'll yeah. have to send you some photos. I did a setting this week. Oh my god. This week. So, so smart. I I've been doing a whole Luckily this week my my girlfriend went to Mexico so she went on a girls trip so she's been gone for 8 days which it sucks cuz i miss her you but you get the action figures out now and I'm like yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like I'm like oh fuck yeah. yeah yeah and so the other day and being in California this time of year every fucking hour of the day is like magic hour and so yeah. i just set up my figures and i was just shooting them on the kitchen table and there was a there was a window source behind it and the light was fucking perfect. And so then I was finding the light and doing all those aspects and just shooting them. I've got some gray figures and I've got some black figures. And if I'm doing black figures, I might put like a white background just to see the contrast. But sure. other mm-hmm. than that, um, it's fucking easy, man. And the, the hardest part, believe it or not, the hardest part was finding these figures. These there's it's so difficult to get these yeah Yeah. you gotta have yeah right Um, controller yeah but you know um it fucking it it really it really helps and it like as as you go you're talking about working with storyboard artists i'm interviewing storyboard artists right now because i'm about to do a feature and it's going to be like what 1800 fucking panels and a frame yeah. of a panel takes me about 25 to 40 minutes. So I'm just like, nah, that ain't happening. You know, um, so you got to make the comic book first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, 
So, yeah. so, you know, I'm talking to board artists right now, and it's fascinating to, it's like interviewing for DP, where it's like, what, mm -hmm. what, movie, what movies yeah. do you like? What blocking do you like? What inspires mm -hmm. you? Because these guys are, are essentially helping you block out a fucking sequence. They are, you know, and this, I mean, it, again, it goes back to the collaborative process. I have storyboard artists that I love working with because for whatever reason, we just, I don't know, like we just gel together. Like we'd be friends, like we are friends, yeah. you know, outside of, uh, outside of the business. Um, but I don't know. They just, they, they have the same artistic sensibilities and I've worked with other storyboard artists. They're amazing artists. They're, they're fantastic, but just for whatever reason, the sensibility just isn't the same and it's the same with DPs yeah. you know, and editors and you got to find the right person that just speaks your visual language. And, um, I'll send you a couple names if you want them. Uh, some great guys. Uh, oh, hell yeah. just, just don't, don't, don't take them off the grid for too long. Yeah, no, fuck yeah, man. Fuck but yeah. I'm happy to send you a couple of great guys um, who I'd love to see, you know, uh, sink their teeth into something really long. So I, I always have to kind of keep a, uh, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, two or three people that I really like working with just in case they're booked up on something. But sure, um, sure. But of yeah, course, of yeah, course, that's, you know, that is, you got to find the right collaborator and there, there is a genesis of ideas, you know, in that process. Okay, it's time to take a break and talk about sponsors. And before you skip... Before you skip through, you usually regret it. You ever see when people are posting on Instagram, oh, that really funny little thing that you were talking about? Yeah, I did it during the fucking sponsored read. So it isn't just advertisements, gang. And I've been listening to a lot of other shows and how they do their ad reads and how they do their stuff. And I kind of like the way I do mine. What do you guys think? Do you guys like the ad reads? Let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. First up, my friends, my good friends over at Puget Systems. Speaking of them, I have to write them an email because happy fucking holidays, boys. And I really want to hang out with these guys again and have beers. If you're listening, Eric, it is time. COVID is dead. <laughs> no, it's not actually. We have to be careful. But come hang out in LA and let's get beers together. If you are in the marketplace to uh, look for a new edit system. If you're an editor, if you're a sound engineer, if you're working in Photoshop, if you're just storyboarding, if you have a storyboard set up like I do right now with my little Cintiq and I'm running my stuff through Photoshop um, and I'm using it on my Puget system, head on over to PugetSystems.com and buy yourself an affordable, a fucking hot rotted PC. I know I said it, PC. Oh my God, he said PC. Yes, PC. They don't crash. They're incredibly reliable, upgradable, super fast, customizable, specific to the hardware, to the software that you use. Hardware specific to the software you use. Think about that. We're not just talking about like, hey, what are the three options? Oh, you guys have like two extra things that I can use. With a Puget system, the world is your oyster. 
you can do unlimited combinations of brand new hardware that's out in the market right now. And the thing that's great about Puget is that these guys benchmark test everything. So all the new pieces that come out, you're like, I don't know, I heard about this new graphics card that costs a fucking fortune. Is that going to do really good things for Premiere? And then Puget may say, no, actually, the two generations prior to that works even better than this. And think about it. When you have to upgrade your card, these guys will help you build a system that's upgradable. So a motherboard that can be upgradable for years. So you're sort of hitting a point like five years from now where you're like, ah, it's a little slow. I don't know. We can upgrade things. You can keep your system. I have my older Puget system back here for over seven years, and we're still running strong on it. And my new one here is fucking killing it. Killing it. I love my Puget computer. Head on over to PugetSystems.com. Check them out. Pick out a system uh, that works for you. You can choose uh, based upon software that you use, and they'll suggest like a baseline system, but that's just the beginning. These guys want to interact with you. Tell them what you do. Tell them what you make. Tell them what you need. Hey, I want a fucking tool that works for me. Head on over to PugetSystems.com. Head on over to at Puget Systems on Puget and say, we listen to Mike's show and he doesn't shut up about you. <laughs> All right. Also supporting the show, our friends over at Blackmagic. I love my Blackmagic 6K Pro camera. My pocket cam. It's like a pocket camera 6K Pro. You would think I'd get this right by this point. I love it. I love the viewfinder on it. I love the little flip-out screen. I love the fact that it shoots 6K. I know. I said 6K. I never thought I'd be a guy shooting 6K. I was like, this is excessive. What do I fucking need it for? There's so much great parts of this. The ability to downscale my, my footage so that it looks super crisp and clean, to be able to zoom and crop on stuff where I need to, which is great for coverage. Um, but then at the end of the day, it's the raw files. There are raw files that I can import directly into Premiere and run on my Puget system in real time, 6K raw files in Premiere, multiple tracks. And they had a music video with 24 video tracks of 6K raw files from fucking Blackmagic. So however they built their codec, um, it had some glitches in the beginning, but they continuously put out patches and releases um, so that you can keep it working simply and fast. And whatever they did with that codec, it runs fucking great in Premiere. And I love it because I can use Lumetri and actually color adjust things the way I need to. Or if I want to get super nerdy about it, I can output it to Resolve, which Blackmagic creates and does. And in Resolve, I could do some advanced color correcting, color performance stuff. They also are trying to get Resolve to be an editor. I haven't done that yet, but a lot of people swear by it. I get it. I'm not there yet. But head on over to Blackmagic and check them out. We have the link for their website in the description of this episode. If anything, get your hands on one of their amazing pocket cinema cameras. I love it. I fucking love it. It's in my kit. And I'm so happy it's there. It just makes me, I go to sleep, but feel good at night, knowing that I can just pick up this camera and shoot B-roll. I could shoot all sorts of stuff that will seamlessly fit into a larger production. Think about it. Head on over there and check them out. Uh, supporting the show are my new friends over at ETC. I'm very excited about ETC. Do you guys know what ETC is? 
ETC is a lighting manufacturer company. They have been in the business for years. They have, uh, they're the ones responsible for the Source 4 profiles. Have you guys seen the Source 4 lights? I've talked about them in other episodes. Uh, they're spotlights that have lenses on the front so you can actually dial in very specific size spotlights. Usually see this stuff on stages, on uh, concert stages where they're uh, chasing the uh, guitarist as he runs across the stage and jumps on his amp and spits out into the audience. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, I love them for very focused lighting. Sometimes I want like a very focused backlight. Sometimes I need to just get a specific eye light that I can just shape and send right in with a spotlight on, on an actor. They're great for my kit. And I've always known ETC is the company that makes these Source 4 profiles. So when I chatted with them, when they talked about wanting to be a sponsor on the show, they're like, we're making some new shit. And I was like, what? So I was very excited about it. Um, and let me read you some of it. They have this really great FOS slash 4 Fresnel. I have one here at the house. It is an LED Fresnel. It gives out so much beautiful light. Um, and it's huge. I'm excited to have it here. It's almost like having like an like an 1800 fucking uh, HMI, but it's LED, which is really great. Um, and let me read you their ad read here. A lot of us in the film industry have used the iconic Source 4 profiles on set. Yep, me too. Uh, ETC, the maker of the Source 4, has been working hard in recent years to give us incredible new fixtures specifically for use with cameras. I have my, I have their brand new FOS slash 4 Fresnel. And one of the most eye-catching aspects of this line of fixtures is the color mix. Yes, it's an interesting aspect of this. The, one of the most eye-catching aspects of this fixture in general for me is the light output. It's an amazing output for like low wattage. Fucking love it. But they're true. Their Luster X8 array includes deep red emitters, which not only open more color mixing options than you get with a traditional four studio color fixture, but also lead to richer, more natural beams of light of any color that you use. This is very true. You can dial in that white light uh, specifically, which is awesome. You can add a little green. You can take out a little magenta. It's really interesting. Once you see these fixtures on skin tones for yourself, it is truly surprising how much impact deep red makes on any situation on set. Yes, including skin textures. Uh, and if you're not familiar with ETC, all of their fixtures are backed by a 24-7 customer support. See the FOS slash 4 panel and Fresnel for yourself by visiting etcconnect.com backslash love the process. That is etcconnect.com backslash love the process. Um, I love these lights. They're really great. I'm excited to have it. I'm excited to have a company like this as a sponsor for the show. Definitely please show your support by clicking the link right now in the description of the episode. All right, let's see. Who else? What else we got? We got boom, boom, boom. Who am I forgetting? Who am I forgetting, Michael? Well, in the meantime, while I try to forget who I'm forgetting, um, I'm trying to remember who I'm forgetting, you idiot. Head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. If you're new to the show and you're looking for... Uh, yeah, sort of a focused listening experience. You don't want to go through every episode. You want to just listen to the ones with all directors this week. 
I've curated all of the episodes of the show based upon subject material. So if you want to listen to the chef episodes, you want to listen to the rock star episodes, you want to listen to the actor episodes. They're all up on inlovewiththeprocess.com, easily laid out in different categories. You can also check out and and, uh, listen to all the different musicians that contribute to the show, Code Electro, fucking Betamax, all these really great synthwave acts. Uh, I also have up there in our musicians showcase section, I think is what it's called. Um, And if you want to uh, have supplemental material while you listen to the show, I oftentimes will put up behind the scenes photos, links, uh, all sorts of stuff uh, for each of the episodes. So head on over to In Love With The Process and check it all out. And before we get back into the show, I'm just going to double check one last thing because Mike did not do his prep on this. I try to get everything done so quickly, everybody. I try so hard. Um, let's see. Do I forget anybody? No, we're good. All right. So that's it. Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe we should hear from one of our affiliates. If you're a longtime listener of the show and you've wanted to help out, if you wanted to donate, but you don't have enough cash, one of the easiest ways to do so is to participate in one of our affiliate programs. And uh, for those of you who don't know how that works, essentially, if you sign up for one of these free trials, if you try out one of these products, we get cash. It's super simple. And oftentimes it doesn't cost you a dime, especially if you're just signing up for a free trial. So one of the options that we have for you guys is by signing up for a free trial at Audible. You can get a 30-day free trial at Audible. If you sign up using the promo code, hold on, I'll get it for you. It is audibletrial.com backslash ILWP. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and get access to daily news from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs that'll help you kick off uh, 2020. Don't kick it off. We're already in it. This ad read. We're focusing on getting you plenty of content that can help your audience pursue their goals, whether it's getting fit, finishing more books, or becoming a better parent, leader, or person. Uh, Here's some really great stuff about Audible. You can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. This means if you don't have internet access, you can have it downloaded on your phone. When I ride my bike, I ride in an area that has really shitty internet access, so I download my stuff so I can listen to it. Uh, The app is free. It can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. You can listen across your devices without losing your spot. If you can't decide what to listen to, don't worry. You can hold on to your credits for up to a year and use them to binge a whole series if you'd like. Uh, I love Audible. I've been using it for over a year now. This is how I'm uh, getting through a lot of these books because, as you know, I try to read a book and I fall asleep. So uh, I find that when I'm riding my bikes and I'm trying to stay healthy, keep that cholesterol down, I am listening to Audible. And a lot of the folks that we've had on the show, uh, whether it's uh, the sleeping study books or if it's books on acting, all that stuff can be found on Audible. So if you're listening to any of this stuff and you want to listen to it, be sure to use our promo code because it will help us make a little bit of cash and you'll be able to listen and check out the stuff that you like. 
Uh, be sure if you've done this before with some other podcast, it won't work again. So if you haven't signed up for Audible yet, sign up for a free trial using uh, the link audibletrial.com backslash ILWP. You will find it embedded in the description of this episode. Let's get back to the show. Well, uh, speaking of collaborators, I wanted to talk to you a bit about collaborating with a production company and like a producer yeah. from a production company. Because I've, I've, the longer I've been in this business, the more I, I respect that. You know, the more mm-hmm. you start to understand that uh, it's important to find a creative producer yeah. that will support oftentimes decisions that aren't fast and easy and efficient. You know, practical or even sensical, yeah. <laughs> logical. <laughs> yeah, man. So, like, no, what's your absolutely. experience? Have, have you finally found the producers that you like to work with because of that, or what's your experience? I, with? Yeah, yeah, I have, I, and it's always a, it's a continual process. And you know, it's funny that there there's a lot of producers. Uh, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of different producers, and. I've learned in this business that everybody comes to this from a different perspective, different mm-hmm. history, right? And mm-hmm. you have to learn how to speak, you know, sometimes their language and a producer's language is very different from a DP's language, right? You know, it's, I mean, that's, that's pretty obvious, you yeah. know, um, but the producer is that partnership I think is so important. It may be even more important sometimes than, you know, the director's partnership with the DP. Yeah, for sure. Because the producer makes things happen, gives you options. And, you know, one of the things that I've, you know, uh, really appreciated over just the last couple of years is building that partnership up. Uh, it's got to be founded on trust. You know, they've got to trust that you've got a strong vision that, that you, uh, you've, you've thought through, you've, you've developed and, uh, you know, you've also given them a sense of, uh, you know, what's important to you and, you know, what you can lose and what's, uh, you know, what can go by the wayside. Because when you're fighting for those battles and you only get to pick a few, yeah, you yeah. know, especially when you're on set, yep. you know, the producer has to know that, okay, if I give him this, he's going to give me back that other thing, yep. <laughs> and, you know, and he's not going to destroy the budget, destroy the schedule, you know? And so building that with the building that trust up is so important. And, and I find you got to do it with the small things like, you're in the middle of casting and you've got 10 minutes per person or five minutes per person. Well, you got to respect that so that they understand that you're not going to run roughshod over the schedule when you get on set or, you know, when you're in the middle of talking about what you need for camera, if you're very specific about the, you know, the pieces of equipment right down to the lenses mm-hmm. and you can describe exactly why you want those things and what you can lose they will start to believe that, okay, this guy gets my problems. He understands the issues. Yeah. I also find like, understand like what are the pain points for the producer when they're working with the agency? Because man, if as a director, if you think you've got a lot of problems working with the agency, <laughs> you know, and fulfilling what they want, the yeah. pro- that's a tip of the iceberg. The producer isn't telling you about 
the other 90 things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, you've got 10, the producer has 90 and, and he's not, he or she is not telling you about that stuff yeah. because that's a good producer. Yeah. You know? um, so being in contact with them and just sort of like, Hey, you know, what, what are your biggest issues right now? Um, you know, and if that producer tells you a couple things and you can say, Hey, let me solve that for you right now. I, that doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like, let me let me take that off your plate. I'm not going to fight for you know having that extra location. We probably you know knock off that pickup shot in this other location. I'll combine it with this setup. Let's get that off your plate because my god, that's such a waste of resources. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, it, you bring up a lot of good points. I've said it before on the show, but I think one of the most important lessons that I learned as a director for commercials was that it's not about me. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, and at the end of the day, it's not, it's not the same as directing a movie. It, you're, mm -hmm. you literally have usually an entire creative team in an agency that's already battled this client to get to that point mm -hmm. where they've sold an idea. So, you know, the directors, and I did this once or twice when I first started, you show up and you go, well, I've got other, as soon as you start fucking yeah. throwing other <laughs> ideas on that initial call, Jesus, you're dead. Oh my God. <laughs> Beware of the journey ahead. <laughs> but, you know, like, here's the thing, you, you, that, that's not to say that you can't get into the weeds. It's like, maybe you don't go expansive on the creative, but you go deep on the creative. Mm. And those little nuances become so much more important. I, I've got a project right now that I'm in the in the belly of the beast on. It's it's for a, a internet cable provider, and yeah, it's very specific, very um, uh, you know, very clear, concise, creative that I have to deliver. But in that, you you get this tight little box that you can bounce around into your heart's content, mm -hmm. and all those nuances that you may not have the time you know, an attention for on the much bigger shoots where you just get to go and play. Mm -hmm. Oh, you get to double down <laughs> and explore those little things. I mean, you know, you can get as specific as, you know, the, you know, the actor moves a certain way or, or you've got a you know particular color palette, uh, you know, for, for a living room or different locations or wardrobe has to be a very, very specific way. And, you know, you can get very, very detail oriented, you know, in those kinds of things, you know, that's a smart way to look at it, so, actually. That's a really smart way to look at it. Then that way you don't go crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. 100%. Of course we want to do big things. So. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just about doing something that's great, you know, and, and, yeah, and yeah. big things, big things are big things. But if you have, if you've got like a really heartfelt, very tender moment and you you seem that seems to be your bread and butter is sort of like that yeah. childhood wonder sort of bewilderment <clears throat> kind of thing that you mm -hmm. uh are kind of obsessed I, with i want to try to humanize those big things that are going to change our world yeah you know i and the only way to humanize it is to make it small yeah you know and so this concept of maybe going to space you know right now that's let's be honest that's that's the territory of you know, billionaires and, uh, you know, <laughs> multi, multi-millionaires, right? Mm -hmm. But in there, there's something really beautiful about, you know, just this stepping stone towards something that is going to make our, you know, our humanity so much richer, greater, uh, you know, more reflective, most importantly, more reflective. Um, you know, there, we're diving deep into the whole space virgin galactic territory here, but, you know, <laughs> like, 
the reason why I wanted to go and do something like that was basically because, you know, you, you, I've heard this said from many different uh, astronauts when they come back to earth, they have this like total renewed appreciation for their place in the cosmos. Weird. And it's just, yeah, because they see the earth and they, you know, it's like Carl Sagan put it as every, everything you ever knew and everything that ever happened happened in that little speck right there. Mm-hmm. And it's just a dust moat floating in space. And it really is. <laughs> when you think about the expansiveness of space, you know, it, it kind of makes you sit back and be like, Phew. you know, my problems aren't that big. I stubbed my toe this morning, but it's, you know, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, you know, that's when you that's when your producer calls and it's like, where's that edit? You go, yeah. dude, we're just from a fucking dust night in space, what? man. Goddamn dust mite floating in space. Relax. <laughs> so yeah, the, the edit will show up no. when it shows up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like god he should have done the space thing um the <laughs> uh it's fascinating man the, the 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 idea of a uh going into space is fucking terrifying to me the idea of like oh, you know yeah. she's being trapped yeah. in a fucking canoe essentially <laughs> right <laughs> you know? but this canoe if it springs a leak boom it's you, over you're done yeah you're done um but toast yeah it must have been an interesting because you you had to at some point to research on weightlessness and stuff and wh- yeah wh- what were you getting yeah. your were you getting your references from other movies or were you getting were you looking through videos from NASA like wh- how were you NASA. digging for your yeah. NASA got it yeah yeah zero gravity doesn't look quite like it does in the movies and you know so it was a lot of NASA uh, you know ISS the International Space Station videos and things like that just watching mundane things like you know, them throwing M&Ms at each other, (laughs) Um, you know, them kind of doing a bit of a, a, you know, of a glide through the different modules. But how we shot it was like uh, trying to figure out how to shoot somebody floating in space without breaking the budget, Mm. you know, and throwing VFX at it was was challenging um but once we figured out how to do it it was pretty simple we just basically if you imagine you know the spaceship being kind of like just a tube yep um and if you just put it upright and you put the camera at the bottom of the tube and shoot up yep you just have the actors on you know it's so simple the actors are just rappelling down and their body hides the wire so you don't need to paint anything out Oh, nice. So they just kind of, so, you know, audience doesn't know how you shot it. So it just looks like they're floating at you. Yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, you know, it was probably, I mean, technically speaking, it was probably one of the easiest things. Well, it was a huge effort to build, you know, a cylinder upright and then have them propel down. (laughs) (laughs) And they almost passed out when they did it every time. So (laughs) that part was difficult. But, you know, the, the, there was a, there was a elegant simplicity, you know, in, yeah. Just okay. That is going to solve the VFX question. It's going to solve the set build question. And then we just put the light out on this dolly and yep. just ran it around the tube to simulate, you know, the sunlight. Uh, you know, uh, uh, as as the spaceship rotated in space, simulate the sunlight. You know, uh, you know, moving throughout the cabin. Uh, it was a pretty simple you know, approach. And I, you know, it's funny because in filmmaking, it's like, it, it has such propensity to, to find 
complexity and and uh, you know chaos. Yeah, that sometimes the simplest, most streamlined, straightforward approaches is the best, and it ends up yielding the best shots and the best uh, outcomes. So you know, it, it it's a it's important to again, you know, go back and just you know pound your head and, and keep, you know, thinking through the different ways of doing things, uh, you know, until you find a, you know, the simplest, you know, way of going about something. But, I love, yeah. dude, I love that stuff. I think practical effects, yeah. it's been my bread and butter, practical effects and like miniatures and all that stuff is fucking mm-hmm. phenomenal to me. I actually went and dug through, where was it? Amazon or, or fucking eBay, whatever the fuck. I, I went and dubbed to uh, online to find an old textbook. So I actually got my hands on like an old visual effects practical yeah. textbook from the 70s. And I'll just flip through that. So like if I'm trying to come up with ideas yeah, or so cool. come up with stuff, instead of thinking yeah. CGI, instead of thinking that stuff, it's like, how did these guys do it before? Oh, they took two panes yeah. of glass and they bup, 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 bup. And so then you start yeah, to go right. through it that way. Yeah. And like, fuck, okay, all right, you know? Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's like, you know, they, cause they didn't have a lot of these tools available, you know, to, and so they, they had to just come up with very basic ways of doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, everything from like rear projection to, I mean, there's a famous story about Kubrick, I think attaching, was it pens to panes of glass or something like that? I think that's you're referring to. And, and he would just move them throughout the shot. And yeah. God, it's so simple. I mean, don't have to paint out any wires. Yeah. <laughs> anything. It's like, yeah. you know, little things like that. And, you know, I mean, film, we need it because, you know, to get on set, once again, it's just, it's controlled chaos. <laughs> well, Gotta yeah. keep it simple. Well, so. dude, and there's also the, there's this thing called magic. <laughs> and so, yes, right. And right. so, gotta, like, yeah. You believe in that, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, you know, you know, VF, I, I do rely upon VFX quite a bit for a lot of things, but it's, you know, it's honestly, it's funny because it's, it's, it's the more mundane things Yeah. like, Oh, you know, on that horizon line, there's a cruise ship in the background. It's just kind of distracting us from the shot. Let's just take it out, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, or like paint out an exit sign or, you know, stuff like that, or, you know, paint our reflection from a window. It's it's more like cleanup and things like that. And the the more you rely upon practical effects, the just the more rich and uh, lifelike it feels. I think everybody, you know, you can kind of tell, you know, what's been overproduced on the VFX side. Sure, I mean, and not just not just for all those nerds listening to the show right now that think they know about movies. Uh, it's also when you're making this stuff, there's a huge difference between, you know, being on set with light and being able to move light mm-hmm. and, and interact with your DP and your production designer and just go like, what if we, what do we twist this and do this? As opposed to when I've dealt with uh, CG where it's fucking emails where you're just sending yes. emails after yep. emails. And so that oh there's, God, yeah. there's no, in the room connection most of the time it's just like mm-hmm. where am i on this fucking email chain and what shot are we looking at and what what's going on what what annotation annotated image buried in a 50 <laughs> email thread uh has the exact thing that i've been asking <laughs> yeah <dude>. yeah yeah <laughs> but, you know it, it's 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 managing your resources you're gonna it, it, on commercials and anything that uh, you know, has a bunch of stakeholders, you're going to have to do some effects. Sure. And, you know, it's going to cost time and money. And it it's, 
it's a it's a limited resource and you got to if you can accomplish that much more in camera you can save those resources for the things that truly make it different and or you know make it more uh, gorgeous or professional looking or or what have you or or fix a mistake that you just truly you know couldn't fix in the middle of the shoot and you got to manage that stuff and it goes back to you know again uh, being a good partner to the producer uh, yeah. being a good partner to the crew you know uh, all the different you know your executive producer as well uh, which is also super important so yeah 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 it's cool stuff well one of the things that I, the one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was um, casting for commercials. And yeah. I've spent time doing it. And the there's a huge difference between casting for commercials and casting for film. And is, I think a big portion of that is that there's usually a table of people sitting behind you that have right. all these weird input uh, options mm-hmm. on, on why you're casting folks. What is your... What is your casting process like for you? Do you have a rhythm now? Do you have a system in place for yourself? Yeah, I, I think I do. It's continually evolving. Just as an aside, I, I spent a lot of time in front of the camera when I was younger. And so I I love working with actors. I, in college, I went to the Atlantic School of Acting oh, cool. uh, for a number of semesters and did a number of courses at I spent as an intern, I spent a good amount of time in the casting department at Warner Brothers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I love working with actors. It's, you know, a lot of my friends are actors. And um, so to me, the casting process is probably one of the most important parts of the business because, mm-hmm. you know, you can do all the things you want to do on the camera side, the VFX side, and, and, you know, with color and light and all that kind of stuff. But, God, if you don't have the right cast, mm-hmm. it's it's just you, you, there's nothing you can do that is going to alter uh, <laughs> the situation. And you might have the best actor just in the wrong uh, in the wrong role. <laughs> it's, you know, and I always ask myself, like, you know, do I want these people on my reel forever? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it, like, is are these the people that represent the way I see the world? Yeah, and you've got to really spend a lot. To me, I, every look, every director is different, and you know every project is different. So, uh, but for me and my work, like the casting is is you know the most important thing, and you know the casting process also gives you this wonderful opportunity to explore and test out different things, just like with the storyboard artist. Yeah, you know, I'll throw in certain things that you know, very small little nuggets, uh, you know, performance direction to see, uh, you know, what the actor will do, and it might, you know, it might change the way I think about a scene. Yeah, um, it, commercials is so it, it's so chopped up and so tight. So you get these like tiny little moments, and they've got to be so quick and powerful, and they got to communicate so much. Uh, you don't have a lot of time. So while it has to be truthful and authentic. Um, it has to also be very tight and contained. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is a, it is a challenging process. You've got, you know, you've got a lot of stakeholders, you got, you know, the agency there <laughs> oftentimes, and then you've got, you know, behind that, you have the account, account managers who are, you know, managing the relationship with the client mm-hmm. and then you have the clients. And then if you're doing pharmaceutical, you have the client's legal team. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you might even have uh, the client's consultants. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, and the notes you get is just like 
I'm sorry, what? <laughs> What's the thing? <laughs> I didn't see it like that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's weird. It, it's to me, it's the ultimate cattle call. It always felt that way. Where, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, where yeah, you get like, yeah. you see like fucking hundreds of people and you're like, God damn. And you know, at least as a director, I know immediately when someone walks in a room and I'm like, I'm fascinated by this person. Like this is absolutely, this yeah. is who I want to yeah. use, you know? Yeah. You know, like as a director, if you, if you, if you have a sense of what you want and you've been on set, you know, even just a few times, you know, within a second, whether or not the person is right for the role. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, I look at your work and, you know, with 12 kilometer, especially I mean, you have these face, like you have these, it, 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 it's such a tonally rich piece. Thanks man. Right. And, you know, and, and it's backed up with great cast. <laughs> it is all the cast. Yeah, you know? really. It is like, and, and that's, you know, and I just imagine, I haven't seen the whole film, but I've, I've watched uh, the trailer and, you know, you have to, you got to sustain the audience's attention for, you know, a good amount of time because you only have so many different places you can go, you know, um, especially with a commercial when, you know, it might be very paint by numbers. Um, you've got to have interesting looking. It's not so much interesting looking people. You've got to have interesting people with just some interesting layers about them. Well, yeah. You I know, mean, it's like there's a story in their face or there's a story in the way they move. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always said that I have to be curious about them because it's like, that's a great way of looking at it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, cause yeah. if, if I'm the fucking director and I'm the first audience, so I have to be curious about this person. And there was a period, cause I come from photography too. So there was a period of time where all I was doing was portraits and faces and faces are big for me. Like even if I'm lighting mm -hmm. a space or lighting a room, I'll, if it's a dark stage, I'll light the face first and then the rest mm -hmm. of the room happens because it's all about that connection ultimately. And for years I was I actually stopped doing photos for a little while because I, I felt like I was falling too in love with my subjects. There was a period of time where like I was sure. becoming too obsessed with the people that I had in front of my camera. And it, when I didn't have them in my life anymore, it was saddening. It was like, oh fuck, you know, it was a very sort of an emotional thing. And I think that, it has to be that way to a certain extent where you see these folks when I'm casting people, it's like, I, I just want to see her make a sandwich and not say a mm -hmm. fucking thing and, and be completely enthralled with it and the richness in which exactly. this person can okay. make a sandwich, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, you, you, you want to have people that can make a moment out of the most mundane things. Yeah. Yeah. And, or they, it's like they say a line in a way and they bring a kind of subtext or mean, I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's true. Mm -hmm. They bring a kind of subtext to it that it's just like, it makes you like, it kind of just makes your head turn and be like, what? that's a weird way of saying it like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I've got the, to draw a reference. I got this uh, spot right now. And I think there's one line in there that uh, where one character just says, awesome. <laughs> and I know that's such a, that's such a basic thing to say, but I'm man, 
uh, it's hard to find somebody who can deliver that line with, uh, I don't know, just a little bit of verbal interest. How are you? Okay. You know? So he, he, here's the fucking deep question. And this is a question that all the actors ears are going to perk up right now. Mm-hmm. How are you running that casting session when you just have a line like that? And an actor is barely getting any sort of lines when they come to a, come to a casting well, call. Yeah, it's a good question. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta run it as a session, you gotta, you gotta get that in the, in your sessions because you gotta give it to the client. So, I mean, that's just what you have to do as a, as you know, a director working for a client and agency. So, you know, you give them the line, but um, the best thing you can do is come up with a very small, if it's a bit of dialogue, something else that is outside of the script or find some kind of um, action that would uh, that would show you something more about that person. Let, let me give you an example mm-hmm. with kids. Um, this is, you know, it's always, it's always easier working with kids on some level. Um, <laughs> I used to throw this one little exercise to uh, child actors. Uh, I wanted to see oftentimes this like sense of anticipation or, this sense of like waiting for something, which is really hard to do for a kid. That's a subtle thing to yeah. ask a kid to do. Yeah. So I said, Hey, you know, I want you to imagine that you're the last kid at school. Everybody else has been picked up. You're sitting in the carpool line and you're just waiting for mom. Oh, fascinating. And you might see, you might, Oh, that's her car. No, that's not her car. It's the same car, but that's not her car. And oh. so you see the kid and you talk them through it a bit. So you see what the kid can do on something very subtle, right? Uh, um, you know, another thing for, you know, adults is so simple, but, um, you know, show me what it's like to get ready uh, for an important meeting after you've been out all night and you're just not ready to do it. Just show me like, you know, you're at your mirror, you're brushing your teeth and you're thinking about the night before. You know, mm-hmm. um, something very, very simple and contained. Um, but with, you know, you, you want to find these little, these little tight little nuggets that an actor can do, uh, to show you their range or their, uh, their subtlety in their performance. And that's for you. Yeah. You, know, you might show it to the client, right. And they may get it. They may not get it. That's okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but it does give you this amazing, a set of sessions to be able to show to the client, Hey, we can take this in a different place. You know, we can show other things. Right. And, and this actor, this actor can do a lot of different stuff. And those actors that typically can do those kind of little, little performances as well, like a kid who can, you know, imagine, you know, waiting for mom <laughs> to pick them up. I mean, that's an easy thing for them to wrap their heads around. Um, yeah. They no. typically, they bring a life to the, to the roles typically that is like so much better than your average kid actor. Smart dude. That's really fucking good insight. Like the, the the anticipation is really fucking smart because that's most of what commercials are is, is the anticipation (laughs) waiting for the toast to pop out of the toast. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, you know, because I mean, there's so much uh, and you got to bring an emotional sensibility to a lot of, dense features yeah, yeah, around yeah. a product. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like these products oftentimes are mostly electronics. <laughs> sure. Um, we got to create a set, like an emotional life outside of that, of, of, you know, of the product itself. The features are just like, you know, they're just things that enable your life. You really got to find a humanity to it. So, <laughs> Well, two things. One, any actors out there listening, take notes. 
to any actors out there listening. Also, yes, I feel bad for you when a lot of directors that work in this business don't do that shit. And <laughs> you walk into a room <laughs> and they're like, say awesome three different ways. And they're just like, right. awesome, awesome, awesome. And they're like, okay, great. And they walk out of the room right. and the creator behind them is like, well, I always saw that person is shorter than that. So we don't like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. It's the that, that, those are the majority of the conversations. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I I find if you give if you give that to them early, quickly, and you you just you check that box for them, mm-hmm. uh, you can have you can have your time mm-hmm. and to to work with the right talent. I you know, like I we all deal with like callback situations. I try to minimize the number of people coming back so it's not a cattle call. Yeah. And I try to get the agency and the client to focus down on like like anybody can do it, guys. Anybody that came back to this casting session can do it. Yeah. We need to find the person that is gonna bring something to this that your script cannot describe. Yeah. And 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 so let's try to find some interesting let's try to find some interesting idiosyncrasies or or layers to these human beings. Um and let's spend some real time with them. That's the that's that's the key. The other side of it is parrot, you've got a lot oftentimes you've got scene partners. So the other thing that I really, really recommend is I see so many casting sessions, they want to run this as individualized. And if you don't pair them up, mm-hmm. <laughs> Good luck to you. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things change when two two human beings get together. They may not like each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's it, so you got to pair them up and you got to see who will bounce off of each other. I've had situations where a great comedic actor uh, works with an actor who's maybe just not so improv, you know, adept, you know, and, and it's just a total misfire. Yeah, you got to be so careful in that. So, dude, it's a, it's 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 fascinating. It's fa- It's a weird fucking. It's a weird goddamn craft. It really it's, is. I know. I know. I mean, it's just crazy. The conversations you have in casting are sometimes the weirdest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, this person reminds me of my aunt, and I didn't like that. No, 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 no. Oh, dude, a hundred percent. I've yeah. I've turned around beaming to the people behind me, going, "I love this person." And like, I don't like her. It reminds me of my girlfriend. I hate her. And it's just like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Come I know. on, yeah, man. It, you know and. You know, that's the, that's, that's kind of the burden that we carry to try to, uh, you know, to try to fight for those things that really, truly matter. And, and then you need to learn to let go. Sometimes, you know, there are situations where it's just, you're, you're, it is a lost cause. You know, you have to, you, you've got to remember that there's, many different ways to accomplish a great piece of work at the end of the day. And yeah. many different people can do that. It doesn't, it doesn't ride on one person, you know, in a role or one way of shooting or a particular set of shots. You've just got to always, re- you know, remember that there are many different ways to accomplish the same thing. Um, as long as you are you know, obviously staying true to the thing that you're trying to create, um, but yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta be flexible while being rigid. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, a, ba- it's a balance, right? <laughs> yeah, it really is, man. Like you're trying to figure out how to navigate this world, and then you know, I got real hardened by commercials for a while because it got kind of. Ru- I was mostly working out of Boston, mostly working out of the East mm-hmm. Coast, and and you know, it gets sure. it gets a little rough and tough up there. 
Um, but you know, there hits this point where you're like, oh, right. The end of the day, there's a warehouse full of these fucking TVs. And that's what I'm doing is I'm offloading these TVs with this commercial. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's not the right mindset to have as a director. And I think that's why I stepped away from it for a little while, because I was starting to get there with all like the writing multiple treatments. Like how many fucking treatments do you write that you don't get? You know what I mean? Oh, it's, uh, yeah. (laughs) It's a fucking nightmare. But, but, you know. What I liked about this episode and the stuff that you're talking about is that you really are passionate about these moments and these opportunities to examine these moments and look for the most that you can get out of it, whether you're trying to create weightlessness in a fucking spaceship or if you're sitting behind a girl sitting on a front porch and trying to get the actions correct. It seems like you're very much obsessed with the craft of filmmaking. And I think that's why you'll be very successful at what it is that you're oh, doing. Thank you. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's yeah. I mean, it, I I've had to, uh, I've gotten, you know, I mean, I've had moments where I'm like, Oh my God, do I want to continue doing commercials? You know, after yeah, yeah. I've written 20 treatments and haven't won a single job and Ugh. you know, you go, you go up and down. I, I always remind myself when I'm on a job, I would say to myself, okay, this feels amazing. Yep. Just remember this moment. Yep. There's going to be moments when you are scrounging for jobs and fighting tooth and nail. And just, you feel like you're not going anywhere in this business. And remember this moment, you will be back on set if you stay with it. And I think you have to, you've, you've got to always on every single job, uh, find something that, that keeps you excited or gives you a chance to explore and do something new and, and different. And if you don't, you know, you, you will get kind of run down. It's tough. The flip side of that is I, I have learned the important part of, you know, uh, say no to certain things and no to jobs and you yeah. know, uh, become becoming more picky and choosy, uh, you know, about the kinds of things that I, you know, go after. I mean, w- when I was looking through your work, it looks like you, there's a couple of clients in there. I think it was the, Dahlstrong, um, mm-hmm. did you pitch that directly? Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. That. Yep. So that Dale's, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. guys, um, they were. I met them because I was doing a piece with a chef. I have an obsession mm-hmm. with cooking. For me, cooking's like making yeah, many I, little movies. So I love that shit. Yeah. Well, it, it's it, the way you've captured chefs is not unlike I think the way somebody would capture an artist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there, like it, I was fascinated by uh, some of your films about, uh, you know, cooking and chefs. And so it, I, I think I feel like I understand the, the motivation to go, go after Dahlstrong. Am I saying that right? Dahlstrong? Yeah. Dale Strong, Dahlstrong. It depends, Dale you know, Strong. like me being a, a ignorant Boston guy, I'm always like Dale Strong. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah, dude, like they were sponsoring one of the chefs and so they uh, came on board to help us out um hold on yeah oh that's my sure. land of course my landscapers here right on time um so they, yeah. they came on board to help us out and then i pitched them on a couple of other pieces and then that the thing i love about that company is that the guy who runs that company is a big fan of filmmaking and mm-hmm. he lets me go off the rails so like when i write treatments for him we did one where i'm like i want this to feel like a weird michael bay fucking like building sequence and he's like i love it i love it so yeah that's kind of the he's a he's a dream client i have a handful of dream clients that i will go back 
and work for. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, yes. <laughs> How did you call? Did you consciously try to cultivate those clients? Like this is a this is the part. I I, I feel like I'm in this place in my career where it's like okay, I could continue to do a lot of these commercials that I have no, I'm not saying I have no problem winning, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, they come a little bit easier, um, you know, than, than most. Um, but there are these clients that I want to work for because I don't know, they say something about the world or about just my interests that I, I just really like, <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. I mean, did you, did you say to yourself, I want to go after these clients or like, how did you, what was the, uh, dude, going after clients is always really tough. I like when yeah. I set out to chase down clients, uh, oftentimes you have to be questioning why you're chasing these clients down. Do they already make the sure. content that you make? Does it is it content that you're like, hey, yeah. I'd like to play in this world? That's like, well, yeah, but we already have someone that does that, which I think is the wrong way to chase down clients. I uh, I, yeah. I I feel like it usually is accidental for me and any opportunity that I have to pitch somebody uh, that isn't looking for a commercial, I'll take. So like if I, mm -hmm. if, if I meet somebody that I really like and I get to know the person that runs that company, I'll just be like, what are you doing for your fucking ads? And there's something mm -hmm. that's really nice about them not going out to market and then just sort of being like, Hey, I already love your work. Why? What do you, what do you got? Throw something at me. What do you got? Mm -hmm. Pitch something and do something. Um, so I'm not at this point in my career, I'm not like hunting the internet going, what clients do I want to work for? Um, sure. my girlfriend is cause she's working, she started as a fashion photographer and now she's directing and she's doing a lot of that. So she's on the hunt for brands and I keep telling her, look for the most boring shit. Look for the brands that do <laughs> the complete opposite of what it is that you want to do and then pitch them on your thing. And see smart. if they're going to jump yeah. for it because then they're yeah. not used to that pitch. And it, when they're dealing mm -hmm. with agencies and they're dealing with production companies, or if I'm dealing with my fucking landscaper, <laughs> <laughs> then it's a film shoot. You got to pay him $50 to stop and then the, then the neighbor gets in on it. It's a big, it's a big scam. <laughs> but, uh, but at the end of the day, um, I fucking love this weed whacker. At the end of the day, when they're yeah. dealing with their clients or when they're dealing with their agencies, their agencies are just trying to appease what they've already got in place. So it's like, sure. oh, you're cotton? You guys like to do ethereal, cottony kind of ads. Mm -hmm. And so, you know right. what I mean? Like, that's the push yeah. that they're always pushing for. So to answer your question in a really jagged, disjointed way, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I try not to pitch directly to companies that that's smart that uh, aren't looking for or that are looking for what I need in a weird way. That's really that is really smart, and I didn't think about it like that um, in so many different ways. I mean, like, yeah, if I go and you know pitch the the client that is pretty much doing my stuff, but just like you know with bigger budgets and more time, and it, you know I'm just up against everybody you know in that pool and you know. I, if I go to the clients that potentially could go in that direction, uh, it, it, you know, it, it shifts their potentially shifts their market and shifts their entire look and feel. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I no, mean, that's, that's and, so much smarter. 
And there's, there's also this other weird side effect. Like after I was doing Dale's drawing stuff for a while, all of a sudden I had all these different knife companies writing to me. And it turns out that like uh, we suddenly yeah. I'm like the knife guy and like the knife guru yeah. guy. And so then I'm talking to all these different knife companies that are examining something that is very special in its, its conception. Yeah. And then now they're trying to corporatize it where they're like, well, we like what you did with Dale Strong. And usually my conversations with them, because I just don't give a shit, my conversations with them are like, are you ready to let me go off the fucking rails? And they're just like, <laughs> no, <laughs> like we want you to do this and this. And I'm like, but then it's not going to work. Like it, it only right. works because my relationship with that client lets me do whatever the fuck I want. And that's why it See, works well. Uh, see, that's the, that's the, that you have the thing that I think we're all chasing. Uh, yeah, you know, but I, I have it every be, once in a while, know. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, sure. Hey, it, it, that's all, that's all you can expect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's such a, that's such a good point because I mean, like uh, also, I mean, you love cooking, obviously, mm -hmm. you know? Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, you're going to get excited about that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, to be working on ads for, uh, you know, brands that if they let you do what you want to go and do, uh, in the space you want, you want to create, I mean, that's just, God, that's the dream. I mean, if you can do that, you know, once a quarter, that's, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Well, and the funny, the, 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 um, the funny thing about it too, is that there's always this urge to chase big things, right? There's always the urge sure. to be like, I want to be on that fucking hundred thousand dollar, $300,000 commercial ad and yeah, whatever. Right, right. And there's, you know, there's that old nineties brain kid in me where it's like, you know, fucking David Fincher made millions making commercials. And there are directors out there that make an ass load of money doing commercials. But most of my experience has always been, yes, this is a hundred thousand dollar ad, but we only have enough to pay you like eight grand. You know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah. oh, okay. And this is what, three, four weeks worth of my time. I've also found that when I do these smaller projects, whether they're music videos for specific people that I love or their uh, commercials for like Dale Strong, I make more money. And so there, yeah. there hits a point where I'm making great content that I love and I'm making more money because I'm not in the fucking fuel machine to make this mm -hmm. ad for fucking Amazon or for whatever company who owns the goddamn fucking planet can't pay you your rate. And so, so then yeah. you're interacting with clients that, I know I can do and pull tricks out and use a lot of my indie skills as far as a filmmaker is mm -hmm. concerned. Like uh, the, the last Dale Strong piece, I shot that in my fucking garage with like a blacked out room. And I literally, awesome. dude, yeah. sit, like cut the crew down to four people yeah. and I saved $10,000, $20,000 on just crew cost that I didn't right. need. And I was able to make money and make an amazing piece. And the client was more than happy to pay for it because it was still less expensive than if they were dealing yeah. with like a, you know, a $500,000 fucking ad agency contract, yeah. you know? Right. So, no, it's so true. And, and I mean, also just the shorthand that you have with this client, you know, must be so much tighter, cleaner. I mean, it's just like they trust you to go and uh, play and explore and, you know, you're just bound to get better stuff at the end of the day, it, you know, and, and yeah. you feel that you've got enough trust to be able to go off and try something and, you know, bring it back and say, Hey, what do you think? <laughs> you know? I mean, those client relationships are so much better. And I definitely know what you're saying. They, they actually are, uh, they actually are, do make more money. 
yeah. because you're not spending so much money. You're not, uh, you're not putting all the, you know, the bells and whistles of, you know, insane catering in front of the client and, you know, uh, car service and all the stuff that we, we, the dog and pony show that we have to bring to the set. Well, dude, you're, um, you're managing expectations. Here's a good example. So th- I haven't shot for them. I think the last thing I shot for them was right before COVID. So like we did mm-hmm. that thing right before COVID and then there was COVID. And so like, uh, I talked to the client all the time. So like, I'll write him an email like once or twice a month and just be like, what's sure. going on? How's life? What's happening? And we just sort of talk about life and stuff. And we were during COVID and he was like, he reached out and he goes, I, I really want you, I wish you, we could do a spot like this. I wish we could go do mm-hmm. a travel and look at a bunch of different chefs and do this whole thing. And I go, look, I can, tr- I can try to make that happen, dude, but I'm going to be honest with you. COVID sucks and this is going to be so fucking ridiculous and why are we doing it now? What are we doing this for? And he's like, you're right. And I go, let's wait. And so uh, as a filmmaker, if you are making a relationship with one of these clients, you, you also have to understand it's like having a really good friend that you don't see for like a year and a half, two years. And yeah. and so then, like I recently just talked to him a month ago and I just wrote to him, I might go, I just saw your new lines out. Fucking looks really cool, man. Let me know when you want to do an ad. And he wrote back and he goes, it's going to be a little while. It's going to be probably not until, you know, two or three months into the new year. I don't need that money right now. I'm not relying on that money right now. So that changes the whole exchange. And then when Mm -hmm. you start to interact with the client and the client will come and honestly say, hey, here's how much money I have to do this reasonably. A lot of clients will hit you up and they'll go, hey, what can you do for $5,000? And I'll go, I don't know, go on a vacation and eat a lot of fucking food. (laughs) What am I going to do for that? Uh, But then if you're honest with them and you're like, hey, man, like, you know, you've only got, you know, 50 grand, you've only got like under $100,000 to do this thing. Let's be realistic about what it is that we're planning and, and, and shooting and doing and let's not reach for the fucking sky here. Let's actually hone in on a specific moment and make that moment yeah. really delicate and beautiful. I get paid, you get paid, we sell fucking products, and then you know people get excited. And, and that's the relationship. And it takes, I'm very fortunate to have it with like two people. And, and you uh-huh. want more of it, but it's so hard to convince the other clients to get that mindset where it's just like, hey, if you just, started to have a bit of loyalty with a filmmaker, then your products are going to be so much fucking better than if you're Mm -hmm. constantly cattle calling and going back out to the three fucking bid process where everybody's promising the the world to you to get the job that they can't afford to do on that bullshit money that you're providing. You know what I mean? It's so, that is so true. And I mean, what a, what a fulfilling relationship that has to be. Yeah. I know what you're saying. It's like, like you're, you're connecting with this client and it's really about what, what cool film can we create for your brand? Yeah. What cool thing we can create for the lifestyle of your brand is, is all about. And it's not like, Hey, do you have a job this quarter? Can we, can we get a job this quarter? Uh, who else are you bidding? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that there's so much pressure that goes into that and they don't want to deal with that. Um, you know, most of the time that's your rep or your producer, you know, trying to beat down the walls, but it's just, it, it just, it is, it's so, so much more of a feeling, a relationship. If you can converse with the clients, you know, uh, you know, with what you just described with Dale Strum, it's like, Oh my God, 
I mean, that's like uh, kill to have that kind of an account. Well, yeah. And dude, yeah. and and they work with other people. So they've worked yeah. with other, with other folks and it's funny. And that's when, fine. Yeah, yeah. And when I see it, like, so like uh, one of my friends was like, do you get upset about it? I go no, Cause they know that I'm good. And at the end of the day, they'll mm-hmm. come back. So it's like, I just can't be desperate. And it's yeah, like, right. there's so many of us that are so fucking desperate. And honestly, dude, uh, I'm not going to go too deep in it, but I feel like the bidding process destroys creativity in mm-hmm. in marketing. It really does. Where it's like yeah. you you're using the same fucking the, the same techniques to go get a deal on a fucking car that you're using mm-hmm. on getting a commercial. Where it's like, you guys going to throw in the fucking white wall tires and the undercoat for free? And you're like, fuck off. <laughs> It's so true. No, it is because, I mean, because it makes us like strategic and calculated about what we put in the treatment, don't put on the treatment or what we say on the creative call. Don't say it. Like it makes us in this sort of defensive position where we might not mention something that might change the game for them. Yeah. Um, just because we are nervous about not getting the job. And I mean, like it's gotten better as you go, you know, as you go on and, you know, you get a little bit more confident about what to say or not say. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, if I had a client where I just pick up the phone and be like, okay, what do you want to do this quarter? You know, what do you want to do this year? What, like, uh, what are you excited about? And to your point about them going and doing other other work and not really worrying about it. It's like, maybe that's work you just don't want to do. Yeah. I don't want to do all the testimonial spots. You know, no. For no. something. I just want to do your big anthem piece that looks amazing. And you just want me for that. And so, yeah, dude. you've just given me, you've just given me the, uh, the North star to shoot for. <laughs> <laughs> well, but dude, I mean, I'm going to get my knife brand. <laughs> it's going to be a rocket. Company. <laughs> you would be surprised, man. And at the end of the day, yeah. I, I mean, everybody's got their different financial goals and different financial situations, but personally in my mode, it's like, if, if I'm lucky enough to do five four fucking great pieces a year that pay my salary for that year. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be that guy that's doing, you know, fucking three commercials a month and I'm running all over the place and making the low buck and stacking that cash. And then at the end of the day, my girlfriend's pissed off because I'm not around. I didn't get any time to work on my, my scripts or my treatments. I didn't do any of that. I just had a call recently with, a pretty big producer from uh, an agency in New York. And he was like, Hey, you know, we'd love to work with you on some stuff. And I was like, cool, man. What what do you, what do you want? It was weird to be in that, that situation. And he was like, well, what are you looking to do? I go, honestly, if you got something that fits my needs for this and this and this call me. But other than that, Mm -hmm. don't call me because I I don't want to go through this fucking rat race bullshit that I did for so many years that at the end of the day, all the money that I made on those commercials went to my fucking landlord. Like, I I, I don't see right. any of that money and any of that right. time and experience. Right. So unless I'm making really great stuff for my reel, like you said before, what actors do you want to have in your reel? What visuals do you want to have in your reel? Unless I'm doing that, which will stick with me, everything mm-hmm. else, if, you, if you're offering me shit money, it's going to go to my car payments and my landlord. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Right. I'm not going to see right. any of that. It- when it should be funneled back in to do more special passion projects, really. I mean, exactly, you know, exactly. Your first, first year, but like you got to funnel it back into doing passion projects and, and leading the potential clients to your door versus the other way around. Well, um, dude, and that is, 
Yeah, you, you have such a better to, way of doing it. <laughs> you have to. I mean, well, I'm speaking as a guy that's been directing for 20 years. And, and how long have you been directing at this point? I would say like, uh, I feel I, I feel I can confidently say like six to seven. Okay. Um, so you, you know, I, I was, there was other things before, but uh, you know, six, seven. You dude, so. you're hitting that point. You start to cross over that threshold. You start to cross over that eight year threshold where mm-hmm. it's like, look, I'm expensive because I'm expensive. I, I need to be expensive. And what you guys are paying for isn't just me being on set that day, isn't just all mm-hmm. the prep and everything. It's it's so that I can develop other things. It's so that I can be able to live my life comfortably and creatively and live in a creative space. So I need to start saying no to the fucking 20 jobs and say mm-hmm. yes to the four good jobs and then focusing right. on that stuff, you know? No, it's so true. That is so true. Uh, you got, you got yeah, me. I think you got there's me. nothing better uh, to get you there than to start saying no to jobs and and start uh, I don't know, cultivating those kind of clients that you know uh, you can just have a normal human interaction. With. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Yes. What are you, what are you excited about in life? <laughs> yes, man. And and, like and I'm not I'm not naysaying. I'm not talking shit on larger production companies by no you means. You got to do that. You got to do all that stuff too. Yeah. Dude, dude, I've had experiences. I had a production company hire me specifically because the producers love 12KM and they had me come in and they go, will you do 12KM for this client? That was a dream gig where you're just like, yeah, you guys want me to do exactly what I already do for something else? Let's play around. Let's have some fun. Let's do this. That's great. Right. But that never fucking happens. And and you, you always want to be in the position financially this is to the listeners. You always want to be in the position where you've got money in the fucking bank. You have to have mm-hmm. cash in the bank, be able to pay for your rent so that you're not in those desperate decision-making fucking processes because it will beat the fuck out of you. If you're yeah, consistently your creativity doing it. And yes. it, will, it will get you all mixed up about what it is you're trying to do as a director. You got it, dude. You know, there, there was a, I remember one year where I, I literally said to myself, the stupidest thing I could have said, uh, say yes to everything that's coming in, <laughs> you know, just because I want I want to get the churn. I want to get moving, book, you know, like shoot, 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 right. Get on set as much. Well, boy, that ended in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, well, I did that. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, yeah. And I, yeah. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but it's ultimately when you're in the rat race and you're chasing it down, your work suffers. Because now you're taking yeah. shortcuts and you're taking corners and you're working. I've worked with a lot of producers that are just like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like you'll hear that from a producer and go like, what you want to do here doesn't fucking matter. You just have to, we just have to get it done or you have to sell this fucking product. And especially when you're dealing with low buck stuff, that's typically the the attitude that a lot of folks have. And there, there's absolutely nothing rewarding about that. And you find yourself getting hired for some stupid little trick that you've done cheaply on something else and then you've been living in that world with that dumb technique for fucking three years where you're like oh this is going to be handheld again this is going to be this thing again you got to get out of that you got to break that mold do less work do better work be smarter about your fucking decisions and like you said be okay with saying no to a job you know because you only get so many things on your reel. You know, people will only watch so many things. And yeah, I always say like your spots are kind of like flagpoles. You gotta, you, 
you got to pick and choose wisely, you know, what you, what you want to put on the site, but also, uh, you know, what you're putting out into the world. Um, and that's, that's a way to draw work in, but yeah, it's, uh, you give me my North star <laughs> to shoot for. I want my knife. Pumping. <laughs> I don't know how I got there, man, but they did, like, you can make it work. You can make it happen. Yeah. You can totally do that. Uh, it's just getting out there into the being a real person, connecting with other people, and just you know you you cultivate, you develop it. Uh, you know, it's uh, there are there are amazing brands out there, um, you know that that will change the world and do cool things, or are just like squarely in the pocket of like your hobbies and passions. And I think yeah, you got to start finding you know those kinds of companies out there that. Um, that you want to work for and like are the subjects that, uh, that just get you excited naturally. And then, you know, keep working for them. Well, dude, this yeah. has been a great conversation. I think this is a good spot to leave it. Um, Absolutely. This, it, it, I, I got so much, but <laughs> I got so much from this. <laughs> <laughs> me too, man. Me too. Like there's a lot of really good points in there. You had me thinking about casting stuff again. So, um, I, thanks yeah, for being on the show, dude. I really appreciate it, man. Mike, thank you so much. I mean, from from action figures to knives. I mean, <laughs> I, I absolutely love your work. Um, thank you so much for bringing me on, and uh, always love to chat again. Well, that was an interesting conversation, right? Um, I look, I like episodes like this and let me be transparent. Um, these episodes come to me, these guests come to me from different companies. Like I have a few companies that I work with that will oftentimes send suggestions for guests, people that they're trying to book on the show. And so I'll get random emails from these companies and they'll send me folks that I, I've never heard of before. People that, um, I haven't seen their work before. And sometimes some that I have. And the only reason why I still play with these guys is that they send me folks that, that do really great work. Right. And Corden is one of them. Cord, I, I, I did, I had never seen his work before. And I, when I went to his website, I started to go through his stuff. I was like, ah, all right, this guy knows his shit. And he does some pretty big ads. Like I said, head on over to his, his website. Uh, that's CordonWagner.com. Uh, I just want to make sure I get that right. Yeah, it's C-O-R-Y-D-O-N-W-A-G-N-E-R.com. Link is in the description. Obviously, I don't have to fucking read it, Michael. Um, but check out all his stuff. Like this guy uh, obviously loves the work, loves the job, really has his head wrapped around the right things. He's very positive about directing commercials, which is great. I kind of felt bad about going dark at the end because um, I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> I don't want to ruin his, his love and passion for these. I don't want to ruin your love and passion for anything either. Just because I get bitter about things doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get bitter about these things. Um, but uh, I learned a lot on this episode. He's got some great advice on how he runs his casting sessions. That's really, really smart advice. Stuff that I'm going to most likely use. And I love being able to trade with other directors on the show. I know he was really excited about my storyboarding techniques. And so oh, it's nice. It's nice to walk away from a conversation and feel inspired. And I hope you feel inspired too. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the episodes. 
I've been enjoying this consistent content. Uh, the numbers are fucking still doing really great. You guys are still listening. New people are showing up. Um, do me a favor. Uh, just, if you love this show, repost any of the graphics that you see on my Instagram. If you want some graphics to brag about the show, just write to me on Instagram. I'm like Petsy. Say, hey, send me a graphic or something. I want to tell my friends about this show. And everybody's listening to podcasts. Podcasts are on the fucking rise. And, you know, I think a lot of people are getting tired of learning about serial killers all the fucking time. And people want to have some stuff that's fun and interesting and open their minds. And uh, this is a filmmaking episode, but we're going to get further in the show, deeper than that. We're going to talk about artists and inspirations and all sorts of stuff. So tell your friends to come and hang out. We run contests. We give away fucking tracksuits. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. You know the deal. I will see you next Tuesday. Tuesday.